0: Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. On today's program, and continuing over three episodes, we take a deeper look at the current round of conflict in Palestine. Wudur Hassan is a Palestinian socialist, feminist and journalist. Hassan is a legal researcher for the Jerusalem Centre for Legal Aid and Human Rights. She is from Nazareth and spoke to Frida Afray, a supporter of Accent of Women, from Jerusalem. Hassan talks about the latest Israeli assaults on Palestinians, the role of women in the Palestinian resistance, the feminist movement against gender violence, solidarity with women prisoners, abolitionist feminism, and the need for regional and global socialist feminist solidarity.
1: The latest Israeli assaults on Palestinians have been more severe in the scale of bombings and killings of people in Azir and the ferocity of mobs of state sponsored Jewish extremist gangs lynching Palestinians, attacking homes in the few ethnically mixed towns and neighborhoods inside Israel. We have also seen the coming together of Palestinians from Gaza, the West Bank, and inside Israel in a general strike to resist Israeli occupation and apartheid. Please tell us more about the new features of the Israeli assault and the new features of the Palestinian resistance.
2: Okay, so this what we can call latest round of our ongoing struggle against Israeli settler colonialism uh, and apartheid, uh, the the spark that lit, that initially lit everything. Uh, It's always, we always want to look to foundations, but I can say that the spark that lit the whole thing was when Israeli forces decided on the first day of Ramadan to close off the uh, plaza of Damascus Gate with barricades and uh, prevent Palestinian youth from uh, gathering, which is a tradition on the nights of Ramadan. Uh, Palestinian youth, obviously, this, this particular space, the Damascus Gate steps have has been facing several attempts by Israel to close it off to occupy it symbolically by changing or by naming the steps after two Israeli soldiers, uh, despite Palestinian rejection, uh, by installing uh, surveillance cameras, by uh, turning it into a, into some sort of a fortified military zone for the soldiers because they know the importance, the strategic and emotional and social significance of this gate as the central gate to the old city as the place where Palestinians gather. And because youth responded with so much passion and with so much energy and spirit, Israel responded by attacking them nightly. The youth, their numbers only increased. This led uh, uh, after that, uh, um, after on on the second Thursday of Ramadan, a group of settlers led by the settler organization Lahava uh, marched on the streets of Jerusalem calling for death to Arabs, as they always do. It's obviously very important to see them in the context. These uh, settlers are not only empowered by the state, they are supported by the state. They're not simply a fringe or some sort of extremists who don't represent the state. They have direct support from the Israeli government and from the Israeli parliament, uh, even though they kind of tend to do what the Israeli state cannot do directly because it has other considerations to worry about, like it's diplomatic, these diplomatic considerations, while a group like Lehava can... uh, just flex its muscles without fearing any repercussions and knowing that the state's always there to support it. Palestinians only escalated their struggle. They forced Israel to withdraw, the Israeli police to withdraw the barricades from Damascus Gate. And the momentum that started from Damascus Gate expanded to an already burgeoning protest movement in the neighborhood of Sheikh Jarrah, which is is threatened with, forcible eviction with ethnic cleansing, a neighborhood whose the majority of these residents who are uh, threatened with forcible evictions have already been displaced in 1948 and turned into uh, refugees. So we're talking about refugee families that are facing a second displacement, a second mass displacement. So the movement that started in Damascus Gate joined hands with the movement that was growing in Sheikh Jarrah And from then also movements all from all around Palestine joined in solidarity and turned uh, and emphasized that the struggle of Sheikh Jarrah is a microcosm of a larger struggle taking place across Palestine. Uh, Among the features of this struggle is first the huge women presence, not only as protesters, but also as organizers, as reporters, writers, as volunteer lawyers for the detainees who uh, are uh, detained by brutally detained by Israel as those who stand on the front line of protest uh, and document it and protect also their comrades uh, and as uh, the um, those who amplify the voices and the demands of the people of the neighborhood uh, and also on the technical level or on the uh, on, on the organizing level, they organize transport uh, public, transport to the to the neighborhood to Jerusalem to support the people of the neighborhood. They organize activities to keep the momentum going. Uh, the, the movement in Sheikh Jarrah has uh, greatly benefited from the feminist movement Talat, which had already been active. And whose presence is very clear, it was very vocal and clear both in Sheikh Jarrah and in the protest on Damascus Gate. Uh, so, this is one of the main features of the protest. Another feature is of the current movement, protest movement, is how it erased the boundaries, the colonial boundaries that separate and fragment the Palestinian people on both sides of the Green Line. So basically, it erased the color of this line and joined Palestinians regardless of where they are. And obviously, the support that it has been building from Palestinian refugees in the diaspora, which has been one of the most uh, felt uh, support that we have been receiving from the the refugee population in the diaspora, Uh, obviously, since the after um, Gaza entered into the equation uh, which uh, when when the leader of the military wing of Hamas of al Mohammed Deif threatened that if Israel doesn't withdraw from Sheikh Jarrah uh, there will be response and if the attacks on al-Aqsa must continue also there will be a response once Gaza entered the equation the whole face of the movement Not only change, it escalated. Many feared that the fact that we're having a war would diminish the popular struggle taking place within the Green Line or in Jerusalem. But the opposite happened. We realized that we had a responsibility to protect our people on Gaza by going to the streets, by disrupting the normalcy of occupation here. And by saying that we'll continue, we can't enter Gaza to support our people there, but we can continue marching in the streets and basically disrupting the the, the Israeli police, the Israeli army, forcing it to put more manpower, forcing it to have to work on so many different fronts. And this is what we have been saying. The case of the mixed cities or the case of Palestinians inside 48 or within the Green Line is obviously the first reason why they rose up was to uh, reinforce their, uh, their uh, connection with the people in Jerusalem and with the people in Gaza. But they also have other reasons of their own, which are to protest Israel's 73-year uh, occupation, which they refer to it now as occupation and erasure of their identity, of their presence, uh, their exploitation their uh, alienation and the all the policies uh, meant or targeting their very presence uh, how the israeli police have supported organized crime in palestine 48 within the green line have the bully, police has been brutally attacking people have the how the israeli state and uh, has Uh, used institutionalized racism, discrimination, exploitation against Palestinian within the green line. All these long decades of exploitation suddenly erupted and forced and led people into the streets. And this is why it's important not to uh, fall in the trap of treating the protests in mixed cities like Led, Akka, Jaffa, Haifa, not to treat it as intercommunal uh, or a civil war between Palestinians and Jews, but to view it as an uprising by Palestinians against State sponsored settlers, basically. We're talking yeah. about the so called Torah nucleus the Ger'in Turani, which are religious Zionist organizations meant at, uh, that have been supported by the states that have been colonizing and building settler outposts in mixed Palestinian cities with the explicit aim of Judaizing these cities and uh, forcing Palestinians out. This has led to massive gentrification of uh, these mixed cities of forcing Palestinians into the margins and sometimes forcing Palestinians outside of these mixed cities of raising the prices of real estate. these We're talking about religious Zionist groups that um, understand the link between real estate and ide- ideology. And they're using the sponsorship that they have from the state to brutalize Palestinians. And this has only added to the poverty, to the state-sponsored poverty imposed on Palestinians, to the internal violence, which is not really internal because it's a violence that sponsored and supported by the state, especially after the uprising of 2000, when the, state, when the Israeli state, when 13 Palestinians were killed by Israel for rising in solidarity with Al-Aqsa Mosque and with the people in Jerusalem and the West Bank, So the Israeli state, so that the only solution to fragment further Palestinians and prevent them from uh, ever again rising up against state violence and brutality is to alienate these people, is to to divide the social fabric of the Palestinian community within the green line by by supporting organized crime, by pretending to care while it has not only been complicit with with organized crime families, but have been actively allowing guns to spread and violence to spread and doing nothing. And actually, for many months, Palestinians in many cities have been protesting the role of the the Israeli police as a racist organization has played in uh, in fueling the crime and have said that the solution to what's going on uh, is not simply inclusion and not simply to have more police units because police has always aimed to kill us, not to protect us, but the the solution is to actually to to, to treat it from its root, to know that Israel as a colonial regime has used so many strategies in order to kill our resistance and to erase our identity. And the only solution to face this is to understand our extension as Palestinian people, and this is what the current uprising has made it possible. And this is what we saw during the general strike that uh, Palestinians declared last Tuesday, when from the river to the sea, Palestinians went on strike despite Israel's threats to uh, repress uh, them, to fire those who went on strike. Uh, especially the uh, more vulnerable uh, and marginalized workers who don't really have networks of support And but we also saw how many volunteer Palestinian lawyers have said that they are going to support any Palestinian workers threatened with expulsion or being fired on uh, account of participating in the strike. So all these modes of solidarity that are challenging colonial borders, that are redefining and reclaiming Palestinian geography as it was, is really one of the most important features of the current uprising.
1: Thank you, Budor. That was a a wonderful, wonderful introduction. Um, And I really appreciate um, both of the um, the, the further explanation that you gave of the state-sponsored nature of the the, uh, gang uh, attacks. Uh, I would call them pogroms. Um, I would call them pogroms against Palestinians um and i also appreciate your uh, bringing out the role of women uh which i haven't seen much discussed uh in the in the reports the the, the very strong participation of women in every aspect of the of the uh, protests um and of course the both um regional and international dimension of the palestinian struggle and what uh When I first learned about you, it was precisely because of your rootedness in that internationalism. Mm. And I I remember reading a a statement that you had written in solidarity with Syrian revolutionaries. Um, And you've also written about uh, uh, the Kurdish struggle in the Middle East. And that takes me to my uh, second question which is, um, you are a Palestinian socialist feminist who openly expresses her opposition to all capitalist, imperialist, and religious fundamentalist powers and forces in the region. In your blog, Random Shelling, you say that you despise nationalism and patriotism and stand for universal human emancipation. You have expressed your solidarity with Syrian revolutionaries against the brutal and authoritarian Assad regime, with Kurdish activists for Kurdish self determination, with Iranian women protesting against the brutal Iranian regime. Why has it been so difficult for us Middle Eastern socialists to promote this type of principled stand and come together around it? I think.
2: Um, One of the reasons is that we tend to think short term. And I think the way that this region has been divided, um, in terms of who supports who militarily especially, has led us to believe that as Palestinians, we should support or stand with any power that claims to oppose the United States and ISIS. The word claims, because in many okay on many occasions it doesn't really oppose the United States per se, but use it as a fig leaf uh, to cover its oppression. And even if it's and, and sometimes there is obviously the material fact of uh, some of these regimes supporting uh military and armed resistance in the region. Now we know that they do that for their own private interests. But again, the the very fact, especially for many of us, for instance, as Palestinians who had long felt abandoned, then when when we feel like there are very few states that support us militarily or or rhetorically, then we say, okay, so how can we come against these states? Obviously it doesn't justify I'm just trying to think why it has been so difficult to overcome this uh, uh, state-centered approach to what's going on. And I think this is a problem of nationalism in general, of the modern nation state also, that we can't think beyond state and beyond these narrow interests. And I think this has also, unfortunately, uh, reflected, For instance, very few Palestinians know about the very active role that Kurdish women, uh, both in Kurdistan and in those who are refugees in Europe, have played in support of the Palestinian cause, because the voices that are amplified is that of the few Kurdish political leaders who are uh, sympathetic to Israel or who express um, uh, that they don't care about the Palestinian goods. Very few Palestinians hear about the Iranians who have always supported the Palestinian struggle, be it, uh, and also oppose the Iranian regime be it in Iran or those Iranians who lived in Europe or who are refugees who have been displaced or forced into political exile in Europe and the United States. So very few of us know about them. But instead, we know about the right-wing Iranians who, uh, who, who always say, don't care about Palestine. We have so many. We have our own concerns, and who are, who incite against Palestinians or who express their support for Israel. I think the fact that this selective coverage of which voices get attention, that, that, that these right-wingers, instead of those who have always supported us, get attention. And on the other hand, the same happens here. We know much more about those who support the Assad regime, those who support the... Uh, the military, the military governments, the military dictatorships, rather than those who have always been vocal in their opposition against all forms of oppression and all regimes of oppression. I think it's a matter of which voices get amplified. I think it's also a matter of our, I don't know, our really terrible political reality in which you don't really have the luxury of choosing your allies because it is, it is sometimes forced on you and you feel like there is very little you can do and sometimes you you feel like as individuals we we're, we're very we we only have our voices we don't have weapons we don't have we we are always accused of not thinking uh, strategically of being too innocent or too naive or something because uh, and forgetting what's the, the larger picture i think I I, I can't deny that it is very complicated. At the same time, look, when I see how in every Palestinian protest, there is this reproduction uh, of the same chants that have been chanted during the Syrian uprising. And when I say that uh, words like Azadi have become even uh, beloved words on the streets on in, in some, by some of the people here when I see how how we are okay we were probably not as powerful as the other the, the, the sides that supported by the states. but I feel like there is possi- there are possibilities. I think someday perhaps when we are when we are more when we are freer at least, uh, we can actually think more about what we can do to help each other rather than, than just being entangled in this geopolitical game. I think sometimes, especially in, in, in really more difficult times, it's really hard to disentangle yourself because no matter how much you say that it is about the people, it's not about the geopolitics. Geopolitics does affect what's going on, whether we like it or not, and these interests do, do affect what's going on. It's it is important, at least uh, from our probably not very uh, influential position, to uh, always emphasize that what, that I I personally I, I again I can't claim to speak on one else's on any else one else's behalf. I see that the struggle of political prisoners in Iran, in Syria, here in Palestine is one struggle. And I I see so many threads in common in how the people rise up and how the people continue fighting every time, despite always being written off. And when I see that the, I, I learned, I continue to learn, continue to be all inspired by the feminist movement and uh, by Kurdish women in Syria and Rojava, their, their struggle for self-determination, for democracy uh, that has taught us so many things, I think. Uh, so all these things, and also obviously Kurdish women in Turkey, Kurdish prisoners, political prisoners in Turkey. Again, we also have the claim of Erdogan to support the Palestinian cause, but obviously we know how cosy he is when it comes to maintaining economic relations with Israel. So again, uh, it is always deflating to see uh, other people buy into these propaganda. Uh, I, I think it's very important to work and this I, I do understand that it takes time. Mm-hmm. I hope that this next generation that is not as bound or is not the political uh, is not the political representative of anyone is more conscious of the fact that ultimately in this region uh, the only liberation is is one that begins by us that you can't have you will never be liberated by a state that oppresses that exploits that kills its citizens or non-citizens or any or state that uh, is based on tyranny and on injustices including social injustices and i hope that this will come this will accumulate to create this conviction Uh, in the near future. And this will only lead to more uh, uh, truer solidarity and coordination between us as exploited, marginalised and colonised peoples in this region.
0: That was Budur Hassan being interviewed by Accent of Women supporter, Frida Afray. They were discussing the latest Israeli assaults on Palestine and the role of women in the Palestinian resistance. Tune in again next week for part two of this discussion. But that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. The music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Congeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.